1: What's gonna to happen tonight? What's gonna to
0: happen?
1: We're gonna whoop them. Have you got Ramo yet?
2: Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Daryl Taylor time. So whooping some bleep and bleep time. I gotta gotta be honest, I did not see that coming time. Of course, neither did any of my coworkers, but they will all deny it time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a, on a lovely Saturday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, which of course was not where Tennessee played football today. Uh, again, I, I know I've said this before, but uh, just as a reminder, you know the SEC COVID rules. You know basically mean that all visiting team media stuff is done by uh, done by Zoom these days. Still in this season, so we don't really send a lot of guys on the road like we normally would. Normally, we would we would all be in Columbia, South Carolina today. Uh, but today, just Patrick Brown was there, and we will have him on. In the second edition or second segment, I should say of this episode. But before that, uh, we're going to give Pat a little bit more time to, to go through some post game stuff he's got to do. And we'll go across town here, still in Knoxville to that, uh, home daycare center with one Ryan Callahan, who we've not had on the show in a couple weeks, uh, just hasn't worked out that way for whatever reason but ryan i guess you're you're the good luck man you just come in as the hype man when things are good or really good i guess i should say not even good really good after the vols go to columbia missouri down to uh down to memorial stadium uh memorial stadium for o field over there for field i never really know how to say it but that's okay it doesn't matter because tennessee just whooped up on missouri didn't they
3: they, they did and yeah I, I get to i get to i guess give some some more uh positive analysis rather than breaking down a a rough game like last week at Florida. But you know, this was a game that, as you said, I, I mean, I I can't say I saw anything like that coming from Tennessee on Saturday. I, I picked Tennessee to win this game, but uh, in a a much closer fashion, I thought this would be a pretty competitive game. Obviously the Vegas odds makers did too. And and most of the people picking and betting on that game thought it would be a pretty close one. I, I certainly thought Tennessee was capable of winning more than capable of winning, Um, but man, to, to come out and do that, um, we we knew Missouri's run defense was bad. And I I think the question for me was, can they, can Tennessee run that well against Missouri or is Missouri knowing what a problem that is, are they going to just kind of sell out to some degree on stopping the run And, and is Tennessee going to, uh, going to be able to run the ball effectively without Cooper Mays, you know, knowing he would be out, knowing they've had some injuries at a few spots that might affect that. Uh, that that was the concern for me going in. So I, I maybe we should have seen it coming that Tennessee would be able to run the ball that effectively. Uh, but I, I wasn't sure they would be able to be just that dominant. But, man, e- either Missouri really, really has some serious issues on defense, which they clearly do on some level, or Tennessee is is maybe in some ways a little bit, better than some people were thinking because that was kind of more like the offensive performance people were thinking might be possible at some point this year under Josh Heupel. We, we absolutely did see that explosive fast paced offense kind of firing on all cylinders and uh, what, what a day for Tennessee to come out and, win an important SEC game with uh, with some style points.
2: Yeah, and I got to say, we're, we're probably going to spend a lot of the time, a majority of the time on, on this edition of the podcast, talking about Tennessee's offense, because you put up 62 points and really should have been 69 if, if they the officials knew where the goal line was and could get that correct. But they were pretty bad in that regard today with at least, I think, three times where they got something flat wrong on the goal line. Uh, but regardless, that's a lot of points. Tennessee did not punt a single time in that football game. I knew Tennessee was going to score points. I think we all knew Tennessee was going to score points. Uh, not that many points, um, but a lot of points. And, and not punting a single time in a game, it's insane. And Which, was, by the way, shout out to Tennessee social media people. That was a great stat on uh, telling Paxton Brooks that he had a great day and then putting up a big banner that said zero punts. Um, but, you know, I, I think in all seriousness, I don't want the performance of the defense to get lost. So So let's put a – Let's put a pin in that and get back to that in a little bit because the defense what it did against Tyler Beatty what it did against I think is a pretty decent Missouri offense with a pretty solid quarterback there in Connor Bays like I did not think it was going to be that kind of day for Tennessee's defense at all Um, but we'll start offensively uh, because that's what everybody's going to want to talk about and yeah Mizzou has problems on defense I think we all knew that the the my concern going into this game, I had a couple of concerns. Uh, one was I knew Missouri's defense was bad, but I also knew that Hendon Hooker had not been cleared until late in the week to play in this game. That had been at least a small question. I also knew that they were probably not going to have Cooper Mays. Uh, obviously, Kingston Harris is still out. We know K-Ron Calvert's out for – the for maybe not for the season, but for an extended extended period of time, certainly. And, and Tennessee, Dane Davis is banged up too. I mean, Tennessee's offensive line numbers are kind of scary – and I just did not think that they were going to be able to go out there and execute this well offensively. And and like I said, going into the game, I thought that if this game came down to a play in the passing game that a quarterback had to make, I would bet on Mizzou to make that play. Uh, but it didn't come down to that because Tennessee was too good in both areas of the game for it to come down to that.
3: Yeah, and, and to your point also, I, I went back and, you know, just looking at the numbers that Tennessee had posted without Cooper Mays, Uh, I I thought losing him was a big deal for this game. And it it looked pretty clear during the week that he was not going to be able to play, Um, you know, even with Hendon hooker back, and he clearly helps their running game. We've seen enough at this point to know what a weapon he can be with his legs. But even with that, you know, he, they they didn't get a lot out of of their running backs in the, in the Pittsburgh and Tennessee tech games. Uh, They did have Jabari small out for, for some of that time, obviously. So that was part of it. Tyon Evans has missed some time earlier in the year. So, that, that maybe contributed to that, but still the running game was not especially good when Mays was out. And and last week they did better at Florida when, when Mays was back for a, a large portion of that game, but he, he was banged up. And, and I, I thought without him with Ollie Lane starting uh, for, I believe the first time that that's, that was a huge concern for for me going into this game is whether Tennessee could fully take advantage of Missouri's clearly porous run defense uh, with that offensive line being as banged up as it was. And maybe, noticeably less effective without Cooper Mays. But give Ali Lane and those guys a lot of credit, Uh, even without much depth, uh, even with Dane Davis, as you said, getting some pretty extensive playing time in this game and and being banged up himself uh, throughout that game. Yeah, Uh,
2: I think if we did a counter for how many times he's been down on the field during the season, I mean, and I'm not not saying anything bad about the kid. I I think that's a testament to his toughness because, my God, that kid's been on the ground like eight times already this season.
3: Yeah, uh, but, but give those guys a lot of credit because they 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 absolutely controlled the line of scrimmage. Missouri even threw some different things at them, which is kind of kind of what I was wondering: would Missouri change out some things or change out personnel in some way that would help them? They threw more of a three three look at them on defense, and Tennessee, to its credit, adjusted well, communicated well, as Josh Heupel said after the game, and clearly had no problems with it. So I think Missouri, a lot of their problems with the run run defense are clearly personnel related in some form or fashion. They've got to get better on the defensive line and maybe a linebacker. And, you know, the other teams have, have preyed on them. Tennessee absolutely did. And, and Missouri has to go back to the drawing board. Clearly, if they're going to get their season turned around, a lot of expectations around that program this year. People were wondering, would it be Missouri or Kentucky that kind of challenged as that third team in the SEC East? It's looking a lot more like Kentucky after, after the first five weeks here because Missouri is clearly – uh, got got some issues and and Kentucky's played pretty well to this point. and And now I think you'd have to say Tennessee is looking like a team that might be capable of even challenging to be that third team in the SEC east. This is a this is kind of a breakout performance for Tennessee that if they can build on this and 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 if this turns into a win over South Carolina next week, that this puts you back in that discussion of being you know at least in the in the you know maybe upper half of the SEC East, and that's not something we would have thought going into the season. Uh, But Missouri not not being very good and Tennessee potentially being better than expected on offense. This was kind of the scenario for Tennessee to have the kind of year it wanted to have. They've lost to Pittsburgh now, but in SEC play, they're still set up pretty well uh, with only the loss to Florida so far. If they can build on this, uh, they've still got a lot of things out there they can accomplish with this team.
2: Yeah, there were a few thoughts running through my head during that game. One of them speaking about the opponent was, man, Nick Bolton may have been even better than we thought he was. My goodness, Mizzou misses him defensively. He's been having a really nice rookie season there in the NFL, and and my goodness, they missed that guy. Uh, that that defense is, and you think about Mizzou, you usually think about decent, you know, or, or better than expected, or pr- pretty good defensive line play, um, but but nothing today against what really was a. A decimated, you know, Tennessee rushing attack. You know, you, you've got Jabari Small, who's only does three carries in the game, and then his shoulder flares up, and he's gone for the rest of the day. You got three or four offensive linemen that are either banged up or playing through it or, or can't be out there to play. You, you've got a lot of issues with that team. Uh, but let's not take anything away from Tennessee here, because the other thing I kept thinking during the game was, man. You'd really like to have another shot at Pitt, uh, but that's not how it works. You you don't get those. That's not how it goes in this game. You play that game, that one's over. you got to go to the next one. But so many things, Ryan, that that I saw in that game, to me, and and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong because obviously I was way wrong on the score of this game like a lot of us were, but I I just keep thinking, and I'll I'll probably write a column something along these lines, Tennessee was really, really good Saturday, but really what Tennessee did was it took advantage of, of opportunities that were there. And that was against Pitt and against Florida. Those things did not happen. When when the opponent gives you an opportunity to make plays, which Florida did a few times and Pitt did a lot of times, Tennessee did not consistently cash in on those opportunities. Today, Missouri was just gaping open, was giving you all kinds of opportunities. But with just a couple of exceptions, Ryan, I thought Tennessee, more than anything, just took what was there. And and that is such a key thing that good football teams do. If you give a good football team or a decent football team, uh, you know, an opportunity on a silver plate, they're going to cash in. And Tennessee did that today.
3: Yeah. Very opportunistic touchdowns on their first six drives of the game. I mean, what more do you need to say? That was a, that that's as dominant of a start to a game as we've seen from a Tennessee offense in years, clearly Uh, it's been a long time since they, uh, well, let's face it, first time since the 2016 Missouri game that they'd even scored 63 points. Um, so, so almost five years there, and, uh, you know, been, been a while since you've seen that kind of offensive efficiency for an entire half, and, and to not punt at all during the game, I mean, that, that's a pretty impressive stat. So clearly a lot of this just goes back to, you know, again, Missouri not being able to get any stops. But, you know, again, it, you have to give Tennessee a lot of credit with a banged-up offensive line. They protected Hooker pretty well. Hooker was very efficient. I, I thought he played clearly his best game so far. You know he, he's starting to settle in clearly, and even though he didn't want to come out and say it after the game, I think it, it, it was pretty clear to me even before Saturday. What's happened is without you know with a bunch of vagueness about injuries and other stuff, Josh Heupel without ever saying a word about it has, has changed quarterbacks. Uh, Joe Milton's not the starter anymore. It's it's Hinden Hooker's job until further notice. And, uh, and the way he's played, I think he's earned that right at this point. Uh, had seven touchdowns and one interception even going into Saturday. And then 15 of 19, uh, more than 200 yards passing, just sharp across the board and rushed for 80 yards on top of that. So to have that kind of day, uh, I, I thought he just looked in command, settled into this offense. You saw sort of just a veteran calmness about him. And that's what we heard so much about during the preseason. I thought that really showed up in this game. And to me, it, it was a defense too, and as you said, that that made some opportunities. So they were they were aggressive, and that aggressiveness we've heard so much about it showed up in this game. And, and I thought maybe just as much as anything, Tennessee just kind of controlled the lines of scrimmage. That's where Tennessee used to win games. Uh, it's what they've got to get back to doing against teams, frankly, that you know the Missouris and South Carolina of the SEC East that have beaten Tennessee at times. They've got to get back to winning those line of scrimmage battles. This team did that today. This team controlled the line of scrimmage throughout the game, clearly to run for 400-plus yards, you're doing that. And then on defense, Missouri just never got Tyler Batey going, 21 carries for 41 yards, and got got pretty good pressure at times on on Connor Bazalack. This is not an all-world pass rush by any means, but it was effective enough. Bazalack never got settled in, didn't throw a touchdown pass, had 300 yards, but it was kind of quiet, and a lot of those yards in, in the second half when the game was effectively over. So just give Tennessee a lot of credit because they just controlled this game and, and a, what looked like a pretty even matchup on paper was clearly pretty one-sided because of the way Tennessee controlled the line of scrimmage.
2: Yeah, I think that there was a lot to, to like about, and we've said this before, right? I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to take ownership of this because we've all, to a certain degree or another, said this exact same thing. Um, but I'll only speak for myself here. The only time I don't really like Hendon Hooker uh, as a guy who, who is in at quarterback, I don't love it when it's in a situation where you have to throw the ball. Uh, There are times where when you have to throw the ball, when you're trying to get back into a game that way, I don't think that's his strength. But consistently, the entire time that that kid was at Virginia Tech, any time there was a game where Virginia Tech was, you know, the score was right there and it was a close game or they were leading, he was a really good quarterback because the threat he gives you with his legs makes him it takes him from a just a, an average passer to a really good passer because he's throwing into a lot more open spaces because you're worried about the run game. And that, to me, you, you saw that again today. If you can, for the most part, either be in a game or control a game, I, I, I think Hooker's the, the best option right now to play quarterback on this team. I, I still wonder if those games where they get behind a little bit, I, I, I question that, but in games where – you know that you're right there and you're fighting. I mean, today he was 15 of 19 for 225 and three touchdowns, no picks. All four incompletions were balls that – at least three of the four were balls that could have been caught. You know, it, it would have been a tough play. But every throw he had, uh, a couple of the, the the screens to Valus Jones were a little bit low, and, and Valus Jones made a nice play for him. But – I, generally speaking, he was right where he needed to be. And then on the ground, he gives you, what, 14 for 74 and a touchdown, and he only takes a couple of hard licks along the way. If they're in the game, man, he, he's a good player.
3: He is. And, and I, I'll give him a little you know, more credit probably than, than you're maybe giving him in the passing game because I thought he had two really sharp downfield throws on the touchdown passes. The one to Peyton uh, was the, nice, yeah. The one to Peyton was a really nice throw, and even the one to Cedric Tillman mm-hmm. across the middle was really well thrown. So I thought he had – he, he makes some throws like that, and clearly he's had more touch on the downfield throws than Joe Milton had shown. Even at the end of that Florida game last week when we got to see Joe Milton uh, throw it several times uh, with the game out of reach, uh, he just reminded you of the issues he's had with accuracy and uh, not being able to put the ball where it needs to be. And Hendon uh, Hooker's not not had that issue nearly as much. As you said, that, that low screen pass kind of reminds you that he's still not perfect. No one's ever going to put every pass where it needs to be, but that's obviously one that he you know, rushed or whatever and, and needs to make a better throw. But, hey, Bayless Jones Jr. made a great play and made the most of it anyway. So, uh, But I, I think he's he's a guy that, you know, maybe he won't get you into that situation much because I, I where you're talking about where he has to throw, being down two or three touchdowns, I, I think he's the kind of guy that can keep Tennessee right in a lot of games because mm-hmm. of how dangerous he is. And, uh, you know, he is really a weapon with his legs. I think when you see him run an open field, you know, he's not just a guy with good speed. He can sort of make a move on guys, make them miss. Uh, you see, you see that a couple times a game, and, and that's that's a, a real weapon to have. So I, I think he's no question. I mean, ten touchdowns, one interception. Uh, the early—it's funny in hindsight, and I, I tried to tell people this at the time. The early knock on Hendon Hooker back when this was more of a debate a couple games ago was that he was the one that was turnover prone. That was never his reputation at Virginia Tech. And he's done a good job of taking care of the ball at, at, at Tennessee too. When you go back and look at the numbers now, uh, with the ten to one touchdown to interception ratio. If he keeps that up, keeps Tennessee uh, winning the turnover battle more often than not, keeps that offense just moving consistently like they've done, and, and let's face it, they're averaging well over 30 points a game at this point. I haven't looked at what the updated average is, but it may be over 40 now. They're, they're averaging a lot of points. This offense keeps putting up those kinds of numbers with Hendon Hooker at the helm. There's no reason to make a change at quarterback anytime soon.
2: Yeah, and he, he's got a lot of class about it too, which I liked. I mean, the way he 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 handles interviews, a lot of the You know, I can see why Hypo would like the way that that Hooker talks to reporters because Hooker, you know, just he's classy. He doesn't, you know, even when when I think it was Patrick asked him after the game, you know, Pat asked him, do you feel like you're QB one now? You know, and he said, well, that's not my decision. It's I'm I'm just happy the team won a game. He's mature. He handles the thing the right way. And as we've said many times, he does have an extra season to play if he wants it because of the covid rule. So. You know, that, that, that's a guy that maybe you can start to build some things around. And, hey, I, I'm, I'm not backing off of my stance that Joe Milton's upside is outrageously high, but, but you got to go with the guy who's performing. And right now, if Hooker's performing, he's the guy. Quickly, Ryan, before we move over to defense, because we, ha- we do not need to ignore the defense, I did think it was interesting that when Tennessee threw the ball today, the, the target distribution looked a lot different the uh, Tennessee, I think, finally got the memo that Valus Jones Jr. is on the football team and is allowed to you know, have plays designed for him. Uh, he, he was targeted quite a bit today. I think he was targeted eight times and caught seven balls. Cedric Tillman targeted six times and caught four of them. Uh, Peyton probably could have had two touchdowns. He'd probably like to have that one back. Um, but one of those two targets that he had was a 35-yard touchdown. Then Fant, Warren, Whitehead, other guys – you didn't see, and we don't know because of injuries and stuff, so so we, you never really know. Um, but I thought it was really, really interesting that uh, Jalen Hyatt and Jimmy Callaway, who are two of the most talented guys probably in the program, uh, were not a factor today at all. Yeah, and, and Hyatt may be not
3: as surprising because he, even though he played somewhere around close to 50 snaps, I think, last week at Florida – um, so he had had the injury, he had the concussion or what, whatever appeared to be a concussion that he suffered during the Pittsburgh game. That obviously affected him for that game and maybe the Tennessee Tech game. Um, but he was back at Florida, played quite a bit, and maybe maybe still, you know, knocking off the rust, getting back out there for the first time in a few weeks. But the, this staff clearly wants to see more out of him, and I, I'm not sure if it's struggling to get off the line, get get separation because of you know the weight and and physicality has always been sort of his area that he's needed to work on, you know, maybe he's struggling to to get separation that way teams teams kind of putting pressure on him at the line of scrimmage and, and, and preventing him from getting open that way. Uh, But whatever the reason he, we thought he was a breakout candidate in this offense and it's not clicked yet. You know, he had a pretty solid season opener and no catches since then had one carry for 10 yards last week at Florida. And that's it over the past four games now. So not a surprise that he wasn't productive. I was a little surprised. We didn't really see him out there. Uh, and then Jimmy Callaway, as you said, that that one may be a little more surprising because he has been productive in flashes. It's not been consistent enough, but he's made a couple of big plays this year and looks like one of their their better run after the catch guys. So you would think he would be out there some. So yeah, definitely some changes there. And you're right, that's, cert- that's certainly worth noting moving forward. I, I I would imagine that's something they're still going to have to uh, to tinker with maybe throughout the season. But I, I think it's a no brainer to get the ball in Bayless Jones Jr.'s hands as much as possible i think we've now seen over the past full season going back to the second half of last year he's one of this team's best playmakers even if other guys look flashier in certain ways
2: he just has that knack for making things happen when you get the ball in his hands yeah he's tough and he's slick and he just knows how to play the game and i think that's that's important and and we also you know we we can't ignore completely lenith whitehead nine carries 76 yard that's a really nice really nice day for the redshirt freshman took advantage of jabari small uh, being out uh, or, and or that's that's
3: a big deal too I, I, I'll say that playing over you know Jalen Wright didn't get as much as much run in this game and I, I think that's significant uh, Wright ha, has had openings to to be a bigger part of this rotation this year and and you know today Whitehead gets an extensive look and, and does well with it I thought he had he'd only had what a couple carries before today and looked pretty good on them I thought but just we didn't get much of a look at him to to see him get some playing time in a situation like this. I think Tennessee is clearly looking for someone else to emerge there. Maybe Whitehead can be the guy. You know, it's, it's funny looking back. I, I thought he was a linebacker all the way coming out of high school. The, the running back thing was something he wanted to do. He's looking pretty good at running back to me. He's he's better than I expected him to be a, a year ago if you'd asked me what he would look like at running back. He looks like he, he can help this offense in some situations.
2: Yeah, and the last thing, Ryan, before we get out of here, and I think it's a good point about Whitehead, and I'm glad you mentioned it because or went into more depth about it because I think it is important. Um, but last thing, we, we do have to give credit to Tennessee's defense because – Listen, I mean, you look at some of the numbers, and, you know, basilac completes 27 of 44 for 322. He averages 300 yards a game. I'm, I'm not concerned about that. Uh, I am I, – if you want to nitpick a little bit, uh, Mizzou was, I think, 8 of 17 on third down, 2 of 3 on fourth down. Uh, Tennessee's got to get better in some of those third and long and fourth and long situations. That's just – something they got to work through but but to hold them, uh, an offense that, that has the ability that Mazouz does to, to 24 points is something something pretty good and, and I'll tell you what they did against Tyler Beatty that kid is a good football player. Uh, the the former Briarcrest teammate of Jabari Small, he's one of the most productive backs in the SEC. He he's been like a force touch guy for Mizzou all year. They've been getting the ball to him a ton. He's been I think he averaged about 150 yards from scrimmage per game. He had 41 yards on 21 carries, and then he had 27 yards on three catches in this game. And Tennessee really as as um you know you heard you heard McCullough say you know. We had to eliminate that guy because he's the guy that starts everything. Look at base likes numbers, and that's one thing. But Tyler Beatty's the guy that makes that team go, and Tennessee just eliminated him.
3: They, they did, and and give maybe, maybe the guys that I think have not gotten enough credit on this team are the linebackers yeah. uh, because we thought Jawan Mitchell. That's interesting.
2: That's interesting. Go on.
3: Because I I I think Jawan Mitchell was the guy that everybody thought would kind of be the ringleader of that group. Jeremy Banks has caught a lot of flack, obviously, for his penalties. He played a very sound game, I Mm -hmm. thought, Saturday. Had the interception. Obviously, they nearly returned for a touchdown. Um, But on top of that, Aaron Beasley and Solon Page have played pretty well. And with Juwan Mitchell out, you know those guys did a solid job. And and I think Tennessee playing more athletic guys at that position, maybe, than what you saw at times last year, Uh, getting some speed out there, playing this more uh, aggressive style. I think they, they played a big role clearly in this game plan for Tennessee to shut down Tyler Beatty a little bit, uh, especially in the run game, and, and did a good job. And I think this defensive line, too, uh, it's sort of a return to form to me because what we saw out of that group last year, to me, was not representative of what we've seen mostly from this group of veterans that's been there a long time, the guys like Matthew Butler, that uh, they've been pretty good players for the past few years, for the most part last year, was sort of an outlier to me. So when we saw Tennessee a couple years ago, and even in 2018 under Jeremy Pruitt, that, that defensive line was capable of stopping the run in, in some situations and, and shutting down some decent run games at times. And, and this looks more like that defensive line again, where the pass rush is maybe not great, but against the run and, and in a lot of matchups, they're pretty good across the board and, and especially solid against the run. So I, I think this is kind of a return to form for that group. Not the same exact mix of players, but the third down deficiencies, as you mentioned in Missouri has been very good offensively on third down. Yes. That goes back to the problem. This defense still has the pass rush has not quite been there. I thought they got at least some pressure on Basilac. only one sack. They're still not getting it. Now Missouri has only allowed four sacks now all season in five games. So they've done a good job limiting that. And I thought the pass rush was better for Tennessee, but it's still not getting home enough there. And that's going to be the issue this defense has with getting off the field. But Bazelak made some good throws uh, on some of those third downs. But give Tennessee credit across the board. This was a very solid defensive performance. And, uh, you know, again, 10 of those points were in the first half. So they scored a couple touchdowns when the game was already out of reach pretty much. Uh, one of those was on a kick return, let's not forget. So really true, true. Only, 17, only 17 points offensively for Missouri. That, that's an impressive game for Tennessee and really something to build on. Uh, it, it's the third game that I think Tennessee's played really well defensively because the, you know, the Pitt game, they couldn't get to Kenny Pickett, couldn't shut him down and, and make the stops they needed late. Florida did what they did, but you combine this with two games where they didn't allow a touchdown against Bowling Green and Tennessee Tech, they've now put together three pretty good games out of their first five, and that's a, that's a huge uh, that's honestly more than I expected this defense to give Tennessee this year. So this is a huge development for for this program.
2: Yeah, and, and they did that with Tyler Barron being kind of a you know emergency use only situation Saturday. They are very very closely monitoring his snaps, and uh, I don't even know if he started in that game Saturday. He was only putting the game you know sort of in some big third downs when they needed something. They felt like they needed something big. They were really careful with him. Again, they've been judicious while trying to keep him healthy, which I think is the smart thing to do. So, Ryan, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate it, man. I know that we're, we're going to let you get out of here. We're going to try to get Pat. I think he's about to uh, about to head back to uh, towards his vehicle. So hopefully we can get in touch with him and we can uh, wrap this thing up. appreciate you being here for the first segment, Ryan. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. And we'll be right back here. We're gonna we're gonna get with Patrick Brown here in just a second. And as I said a second ago, we're gonna go pay some bills, listen to products, services, in house ads, other fun things, and we will be right back here on the Govals twenty four seven podcast. Hashtag ad.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love.
2: Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a lovely Saturday evening in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, which is two miles away from Neyland Stadium, which is not where Tennessee's game was played today. Tennessee played its game over in uh, Columbia, Missouri, obviously, and because of COVID rules, only one of us was there. That was Patrick Brown. We're going to get to him in just one second. Before we do that, though, just a quick reminder, guys, if you could go ahead and take about 90 seconds out of your day right now, please rate and review this podcast, and please hit that subscribe button. If you're just listening on the website, there's nothing wrong with that at all. We appreciate however you're listening to this podcast. But what would really help us out a lot is if you could go in there and just uh, hit that subscribe button, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world. You can cast the fine pod. You can find this very Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do it for free, and we're happy to do it. The only thing we ask for is that you go in there, please, rate, and review, and hit that subscribe button. Alright, as I said, just a minute ago, Tennessee walks out of Columbia, Missouri. 62-24 to 24 winners over the Tigers, and that was, somehow it didn't even feel like it was that close. Um, but uh, I just saw it like the rest of y'all did, kind of on television, because of COVID rules. We're only sending one guy on the road right now, and that, of course, is beat writer Patrick Brown. So he was there in Missouri, so so Pat, how you doing? How are things over there in uh, in Middle America?
1: Well, you said it's beautiful Knoxville. It's it's not really beautiful here, and that's not an indictment on the great state of Missouri. It's just rainy and overcast and cloudy. Um, and you said that I am on the road. I'm literally on the road right now. So, uh, and I don't, kids. I don't. I don't uh, encourage driving and podcasting. Your hands, but, free. Your hand's free. Right, I am. First of all, uh, and I got to get back to my hotel. I got a 7 a.m. flight out of St. Louis tomorrow. So I'm trying to uh, get somewhere where I can relax for a little while yeah. after flying down Friday and having to get up uh, early on Saturday for this uh, 11 a.m. local central time. But we're not here on the podcast to listen to my travel plans. Well, so, no, but uh,
2: uh, I'll tell you, as, as someone who's got a, a very pregnant wife, uh, I, I do not miss uh being on the road to Gainesville and then being on the road to Columbia, Missouri a week later. So I know you got two young tots at home, a couple twins, a couple beautiful twins. So thank you for, for doing that for us. And thank you for being there. And again, for everyone out there, listen, if if the audio quality in this segment is not great, we're doing what we can. Pat's on the road. We got to do what we got to do. He was there. You know what I mean? That's the man. That's the
1: man. It's the disclaimer. And it's raining right now. uh, And you'll probably hear me change lanes. The blinker because it makes noise. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, Tennessee. You're getting a real experience.
2: Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the the, the glamorous life of sports riding. Okay. You know, Pat, when when you we've all had a lot of fun with this, right? Because the rest of y'all picked Tennessee to win this game by like three or four points. I picked Tennessee to lose by three points. And apparently that six point difference has made me the dumbest person in the history of the world. Uh, I did pick Tennessee to cover. However, I did not pick Tennessee to win that game. Uh, The rest of y'all picked Tennessee to win that game, but not by that much. So I think it's fair to say maybe I'm a little dumber than everyone, but, but we're all a little bit surprised, aren't we?
1: Yeah. I think it was really just the ease of it because it looks so easy at times for Tennessee and, Uh, And and when I picked this game, I I went back to, and and I I mentioned this in our picks, the one glaring weakness on either side was Missouri's run defense. And I think we all saw what happened with that. I mean, Tennessee rushed from 452. I think they were at 275 at halftime, and Missouri was giving up 271 on the ground. It was just, it's not that Tennessee ran for 452. It's just that there was so much space, and there were so many times where Tennessee's backs just weren't even touched, so they were 10 yards downfield or you know, and they face of Tyon Evans on his 92-yard touchdown, run, he only got touched maybe right at the end. So the ease with the football, ball, I think, was probably the biggest surprise of this game. I it all 62
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, and again, we're, we're having a couple audio issues here, so, so work with us, but we're we're, we're going to get through this. We're all right. I think the ease was the thing that really sort of, surprise me and it's not because i expected missouri to be better than that because i think we all know that missouri is not very good defensively apparently nick bolton's the best player in the history of the world (laughs) because how much they miss him out there and a couple other guys that they lost after last year but we knew that that mizzou had some some issues but but my concern and i talked to ryan about this in the first segment was it Tennessee's also got, what, three or four offensive linemen who either couldn't play in that game Saturday or were very dinged up in that game Saturday. Jabari Small goes out after only three carries, and he's done for the day. Uh, and, and I just – even with Hooker in there and his mobility, it, I, I just – I did not think it would look that easy. And, and I'm sure it's not that easy, and, and Josh Heupel and, and his players very politely after the game said it was not easy, but it looked easy. And, and I – you know, I, I just did not expect – Missouri to go out there and, and look like the other black and gold team in the SEC, if you know what I mean. That just was not very good.
1: Yeah, and that was, you know, just huge scenes for Tennessee's backs to go through. And uh, as you mentioned, this was an offensive line that was without Cooper Mays, who, uh, you know, I think we've seen is is maybe their best guy. And then, you, you know, you look at the backfield, you mentioned Small goes out for three carries. So they're, they're given – a lot of run to Lameep Whitehead, who I thought looked pretty good. And uh, I had some good things to say about him after the game, just talking about how much he's improved in a short period of time, because he's got, they didn't get to see in the spring because of his because uh, of a shoulder injury last season. So um, yeah, I think the ease of which, you know, you run for 452 on somebody that's, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty telling. And it's pretty damning if you're Missouri um, because it's one thing, you know, it's one thing to have Kentucky and maybe Boston College run on you, but but for Tennessee to run on you without probably its best offensive lineman, maybe another starter, depending on where Kingston Harris falls in the pecking order. Uh, and then, you know, to lose Jabari Small, who's their starting running back after three carries. I think that's, um, I mean, Tennessee's run game was just really good in this game and, and Missouri's run defense was really bad. And um, that, that's why it looked so easy, but we thought coming in that, you know, if, if you can't stop the run, in the SEC, it's going to be a long year. And, and obviously that's a big, big problem for Missouri that Tennessee really, really exposed in this game.
2: Yeah, and I think, again, and, and we're, we're doing our best here to uh, to, to make sure that that we're, we're, we're congratulating Tennessee on the performance. I don't want to take anything. Tennessee has been through a hell of a lot in the past year, right? I mean, you look at everything where it was with uh, Missouri last year and then everything that happened after that for like the next 11 months and, and change. I, I don't want to take anything away from Tennessee. This was a great day for Tennessee. I just think for perspective – it's important to note uh, that Missouri is struggling right now, but I don't want that to take away from what Tennessee did because we saw no, it, we saw Saturday, Pat. We saw that Josh Heupel's press conferences again might not be fun, but by God, his his brand of football is fun. It's a fun brand yeah. of football.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, some of the numbers in the first half were just crazy when you were looking at Tennessee. Had run fourteen plays, they held the ball for like three minutes, and had twenty eight points on the board. You know that. But they scored on their first six drives, right? The first five, there were two one-yard or one-play touchdown drives. The other ones were all. I think the longest one was like a minute fifty-two, um, and you really saw Heupel's offense on that first series, right? Couple couple good runs, a couple short throws. They're moving the ball. They're ahead of the chains. They're in their tempo, and then bam, they hit you with the one over the top. Which um, the second week in a row, where in the stadium, off of Hinton Hooker's hand, it looked like he had overthrown. Devonte Payton, but both of them are right on the money. It was a great throw down the seam for Devonte Payton, who is um, he's Tennessee's best receiver right now. I mean, he's got three touchdowns in, in as many games, and uh, Bayless Jones has, has gotten loose uh, the past couple weeks too. So, um, yeah, I mean, this was uh, this is what Hypel's offense is supposed to look like, and and, and I think it also helps Hendon Hooker too when Tennessee is is running the ball like this. It's going to help any quarterback when when you're running for 452, but Hooker especially because. Uh, he's he's not a, I've called him a capable passer, right? I think he can can get the job done, but uh, if you're putting a game solely on his arm, I think that's dangerous territory. But when you've got um, the the running game going the way it is, the ability that he brings that aspect of of the offense, I think it opens up a lot of things. So, um, and, you know, Tyon Evans had a great game. I think Ollie Lane, I think when we go back and watch film, I think we'll see him. I think they've uh, had some good success. I know on the, uh, a couple of the big runs, I you know the one with Small. They they pulled Sprague against from guard. Uh, I think on, on Evans' 92 yard touchdown run, they had, I think they pulled Lane. So, um, but yeah, this is this is what his offense is supposed to look like, and and, and you could kind of see this coming, right? I mean, going back and watching Florida game, I mean, how many times did Tennessee have guys running open, right? Yep. Um, and, and it made me, you know, Todd Grantham had his little little dig at Tennessee during the week, and it was just like, did you just watch the same game, dude? Like you're, if Tennessee could throw and catch better or snap better in some cases. Who knows how so many yards and points they put up on you? So um you kind of been waiting for that breakout, right? Where everything clicks. Uh and this was that game. Everything clicked. They got, you know, they hit a couple passes down the field. The run game was really good going. And, and we saw what it did uh over 60 minutes, but especially over the, the first half where they put up 45. I mean, it was just kind of it was just kind of ridiculous. You know, I mean, they're averaging 16 points a play at one point 13. You know, they had run 19 plays and put up 35 points. It was just kind of ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and I know Grantham said what he said. I I tend to think he was probably trying to get his players focused on Kentucky, if anything. I mean, sure, you take a dig at a rival. That's always fun. I wonder if he was just trying to say, hey, guys, don't be fooled by – that performance last week there's another tough one coming up this week i don't i you know i don't know he we'd have to ask him and i don't know if he even tells the truth anyway so
1: well, that, this is a guy that tried to fight derrick mason one time right and this is yeah. a guy that probably if he. you know there's two bad games from nobody wanted and fired again so yeah it's kind of
2: rich i thought yeah it was I, I it made me roll my eyes a little bit because and that leads me to what i was going to ask you next pat when you, you just sort of mentioned this But what Tennessee did on Saturday was sort of what Heupel has been begging for weeks now. He has said, guys, I don't need you to be extraordinary. I just need you to be ordinary at a high level consistently. And I think what he means by that is probably the, 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 the best way I can translate that, take what's there. If someone in this level is going to give you a play, you have got to take it because every yard is usually so hard to get in this game. If you have a ball and you're open, throw the ball, catch the ball. If you're in space, make you know, and you need one guy to make him miss, make that guy miss. Just if the defense is or offense is trying to help you, let them help you. Tennessee, I don't know if it was consistently extraordinary Saturday. It just took what Missouri did and and, or gave them, and and that's what that's what good teams do. So I think that's a big sign.
1: Yeah, and, and we've kind of talked about that a lot, right? The little things, and Tennessee did all the little things today, right? throwing catching blocking getting off blocks up front I thought they were really active on the defensive line uh you know it, it's usually determined a mistake when a guy holds but you also got to give credit to the defensive lineman sometimes with the linebacker because those guys kind of draw those penalties so um you know not penalties since they only had two penalties today right I think uh they didn't get their first yes, one until late late, yeah. late in the first half while Missouri had I think nine for 96 is what they finished with so that's you know, no turnovers again for the second straight game. I think that's a, a credit to Hinden Hooker because uh, he, he had a few turnovers when he first took over at quarterback. Now he's gone two games without one. And, and I can't recall really uh, – I know they put, a, they put the ball on the ground on the flea flicker that he got hurt on against Florida. That really that wasn't a very good pitch from Tyon Evans. So uh, I think he's done a lot better job with his ball security. You kind of see him getting down a little bit sometimes uh, when he's scrambling or running and, and trying to, you know, take care of the ball and take care of himself a little bit better. Uh, Tennessee has very little margin for error this season. Um, and so it has to do those little things, the throwing, catching, tackling, um, No, pen, you know, keep the penalties to a minimum. Uh, and again, some opponents, you're probably going to have a lot of penalties. You play Georgia, if you get 10 penalties, it's probably just because they have more talent than you. Um, but the little things that you can control that are on you, if you can eliminate those, the turnovers, penalties, all those things, you give yourself a much better chance to win. And, and I think Heifel's point today, too, is that Uh, He seemed to, he's been really big on the last 48 hours of preparation these last few weeks. Um, And he said that this was the best one they had. And so they go out and play like this. And as a coach, as a staff, you're saying, okay, well, let's, let's duplicate this again. Let's replicate it and see where it takes us. Cause you see what happens when you put, you know, when you have this level of focus and this level of intensity in the preparation, you go out and play like this on Saturday and that's what it's all about. So uh, as a staff, I'm sure they're hoping that a lot of aspects of this perform- performance and what led up to it is something that can be uh, replicated throughout the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, it's a fun little cat and mouse game where we keep trying to get Heupel to specify what he means by that, and he keeps kind of not specifying it. <laughs> we're, we're we're still I think we all know what he means, but we're still trying to be like, okay, what exactly do you mean when you say? The, those last two days of preparation what do you mean exactly by that it will we'll keep doing that because I, I think we're looking for maybe more specificity there with that answer but I think we know what he means but it's just trying to get him to say it so that 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 will continue on but and, and I think Hooker we talked about this in the first segment so we don't have to belabor the point now I think he's handling this in a very mature way uh, it was your question Pat that, that he was asked about being QB1 and he said listen that's not my call the, I'm I'm just here to helped the team win games, and I'm glad we won today. So he just kind of handles the thing in a very mature way, which is something you really like to see.
1: Yeah, and and probably something else I think that stood out to me about this game is, um, you know, Tennessee, they they didn't have a couple guys on offense. They didn't have a couple guys on defense, too. Um, Correct. correct. You know, with Trayvon Flowers being out from from kickoff, they go to Christian Charles uh, right away. I don't know if Charles did anything to get, I don't want to say benched, but, you know, the second series, they went back to Theo back there. I mean, Charles is where he needed to be on that third down that he got. He just should have caught the ball, right? I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe he busted on that play and just happened to be there. Um, that, that's happened before. But, um, you know, he, he you don't have flowers. You know, Theo Jackson gets uh, his bell rung going for a ball that, some, for some reason, Missouri people wanted a targeting, even though it looked like the receiver targeted Jackson. Agreed. So, he goes out after he had been with Danico Slaughter at that nickel spot and you know, you wondered about that because Theo's been so good at that spot that, you know, could they bring Slaughter in with their beanie drop-off? And I, I didn't think there was one. I thought Slaughter right off the bat, I think he got in the backfield made a tackle for loss. He had a, a pressure off the edge, I think. So, um, you know, he stepped up. Charles obviously got the start. And Tamari McDonald, I think, played pretty well when he got uh, in there back in safety after Jackson went out. And I think his first play, he makes a play on the ball. And, um, you know, Tennessee has talked about those young guys a lot in the secondary, and, and they got some chances today. Salon so Page is a guy that, that started today at, you know, with Juwan Mitchell out. Um, and then the guys on offense with some of the guys that were missing. You see a lot of younger players stepping up. And I think that has to be another encouraging aspect of, uh, of this game for the staff because you got to throw some guys in there without, you know, uh, really because you had to. And, and, and for the most part, a lot of those guys stepped up and did a good job from, uh, you know, those defensive backs that I mentioned. Uh, we talked about Whitehead, too. Um, so that was that has to be, I think, a, another encouraging takeaway from, from this game from Tennessee looking at the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot more that we'll be able to discuss Monday when we get you back on here, Pat. So I'm going to try to get you out of here as, as quickly as I can because you, you you got another long travel day ahead of you. But, but it, I don't want that – the defensive performance to get lost in the shuffle there because anytime you put up 62 points, you're going to talk about the offense. And, and really, it should have been 69 points because the, those officials do nice. not know what a goal line is. 69, nice. They don't know what a touchdown is and is not because they right. messed that and up that three times in the game, clearly.
1: Right. So he had 11 drives, right? And they could have gone nine touchdowns, two field goals if not for that.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it was just – I don't know. I mean, it it would have been a huge deal in a closer game, but it wasn't. And the SEC is going to have to thank its lucky stars for that because that was bad. But, you know, ultimately, you know, Baselak puts up 27 for 44, 322, no touchdowns, two picks. He averages 300 yards a game, and that game was a blowout from the second quarter on. So there was no – I don't have any issue with that. I I, I think that if you want to get nitpicky, 8 of 17 on third down, 2 or 3 on fourth down – You'd like to have better numbers there defensively, even though Mizzou's a good third-down team and Bazelak's usually a smart quarterback. But what really – I mean, at the end of the day, Mizzou gets 24 points in this game, seven come via special teams. So right away, you're talking about holding a pretty decent offense to 17 points, and you're talking about holding a a good running back in Tyler Beatty, uh, Memphis boy, Uh, 21 carries for 41 yards, and I believe 27 yards on three catches. That is by far – uh, that might end up being his worst performance of the season. It has been to this point, and it might be the, the whole season the low mark because he's a good player, and Tennessee just, despite being a little bit, you know, a couple guys down on defense, really swarmed him and took him out of the game.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I think I made that point one of my takeaways that, that's on the site for, uh, for you VIP people out there. Um, Tennessee's defense should not be overlooked, right? I, if you want to, you know, the third down defense wasn't great, I think Missouri started off six of 10, but when your offense is scoring every drive, those four third down stops, that's a big deal, right? I mean, that's, you know, eh, right? I mean, that's,
2: yeah, no, that's it 28 is.
1: points potentially right there. So yeah, no, it um, is. that gets back to the complimentary football. And of course the defense will be saying, hey guys, can you go score 62 every week? Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Missouri's only scored 10 points in the first half, right? So um, this is, you know, you got, they got the pick with Banks, that set up a score. So they're contributing, you know, they had the second driver and Missouri got down the field um, and they forced the long field goal. Uh, I think they got a three and out right before the half that that got Tennessee the ball back. And again, we saw some guys step up. I thought Banks had a good day. We saw Byron Young flash a couple of times. You know, the defensive line, I thought they had a great job, you know, and and Heifel was really um, Missouri was running a lot of outside zone, particularly to the left on, on their touchdown drive. But other than that, they didn't really do much. And, Uh, And as you pointed out, Wes, when you take a guy like Tyler Beatty, completely out of the game, uh, I know he still probably had some decent numbers when you accumulate it all, but I mean, he wasn't really a factor and didn't really get loose too much. So um, it's it's a credit. They're they're making it work with this defense because I think there's some limitations that we've all talked about, right? They, They struggle to get after the passer consistently. They struggle to hold up in coverage consistently. So it's a constant battle with Tim Banks as he's calling the defense in games. When do you blitz? When do you play back in zone? Uh, it seems like, and I don't I don't know the numbers, but it seems like a lot of times they're going to opt to play back in coverage, right? keep everything in front, don't give up something cheap. Um, and sometimes when you do that, you're going to give up third and eight, third and nine because you're going to play zone and they're just going to find a hole in the zone and hit it. So that's going to happen. But um, I, I thought the defense was pretty good in the first half. Um, and, and, again, you know, yeah, they gave up a lot of third downs, but when you do get a few third down stops and your offense is scoring every time, uh, those stops loom a little bit larger in, in the course of the game. And we hear the phrase, what, complimentary football, right?
2: Yeah, no, that I don't one. want to call
1: it a butch. Boy, it, it, a it, tri- it
2: triggers me a little bit, but,
1: yeah. It's, it butch Jones used it a lot, but he's hardly the only coach that, that throws it out there. And you even hear some analysts talk about it, too. Um, but that's, you know, when your offense is clicking like that as a defense, that kind of – you know that if you get a stop, even if you give up a few, that, you know, the, when you get the ball back, you're going to have a bigger lead. So, um yeah, I, I again I, I think the over the course of the five games, I, I would still say that I think Tennessee's defense has been better than I thought it would be. Um and the offense has been maybe not to the point I thought it was, uh that I thought it would be. Um, but obviously today you saw what this offense could be when it's clicking and everything's rolling and, and it had to be uh, a fun, fun day for Tennessee fans. I mean I think Grant threw out the stat that Tennessee scored 35 more than one, what, five times under Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah.
2: They
1: had 35 early in the second quarter of this game. So, um, you know, we haven't beaten an SEC opponent like that in in over a decade. So uh, I know it was Missouri, and Missouri may have some big issues and and whatever, but uh, this is a win that that Tennessee needs to enjoy um, and and really. you know, it's one that shouldn't be overlooked for where this program has been. Um, and now, I think it opens up the rest of the season for him, right? Cause yes, it does. Yes, they it get does. Sa- if they get South Carolina next week, that's four. You know, you've got South Alabama and Vanderbilt. Um, you know, Ole Miss is. You know, Alabama is making them look mortal. So who knows? Uh, I still don't think that's a game that, that Tennessee
2: will win. Could be a hell. Uh, could what be it, a hell of a lot of points in that game. Though. That could be a fun game.
1: Yeah, I mean. It could be one of those whoever has the ball-ass kind of games. Um, and obviously Ole Miss with Kiffin last year, it seemed like every game they played went down to the wire. So uh, maybe you have a shot in the fourth quarter of that one. Um, you know, but Kentucky went for – you know, Kentucky and Missouri was – that game was a four-quarter battle. And Tennessee just blew Missouri, blew the doors off of them. You know, so what does that say about Kentucky? But then you start getting into the, the transit of property, which when you do that in college football – uh, you're you're going to set yourself up for for failure because it it makes no sense. That's how the
2: sport is. So, but yeah, I you'll, think you'll, you'll, you'll lose the money. You'll lose a lot of money on those it, bets.
1: It, yeah, the, the point being about this win is that if, you, if they lost this game, it was really hard to see them getting to six. And now the the what I you know you see them you see the the path to six is not overly hard. But you have to remember. Uh, and and some people will talk themselves into seven or eight by the end of the day, but you have to remember that this is a team with a lot, with very limited depth. They're going to be naturally up and down probably from week to week, because that's how a lot of teams in the first year of a staff are. And and again, just because they beat Missouri, doesn't mean they're going to go out and beat South Carolina. I don't, you're probably watching the game of Troy. I think it's a pretty tight game right now. It is. Um, But this win opens it up to where if you do, if you win the games, you're probably going to be favored in. Then you get to six. And I think going into the season, if you got to six, I think most people would have been, I would not, you know, would be throwing a parade, but you, you, you take it given everything that has transpired over the last uh, year or so.
2: Yeah, you're definitely not you're you're not molding a statue yet, but you're 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 out there, you know, enjoying that a little bit, and you should, I think. So, there's a lot to talk about, in Pat, and we get to talk about on Monday. Think about this. Uh, here's a thought to end on: we get to talk about how Tennessee will handle success on Monday. How about that? You no, know, that, that's I don't know how to do that, Wes. I don't know either. I mean, I thought they'd be three and two now. I thought it would be a loss, uh, a win over Pitt, and a loss at Mizzou. But regardless, we're it ended up where I thought it might be right now, but it's three and two. And hey, there's some things out there in front of them. We got to see still some paper thin margins in some areas. But you know what, guys, go enjoy this. If you're a Tennessee fan, consider where the Mizzou game was last year and everything that happened in the, the next 12 months. Enjoy this one. Just enjoy it. You know, yeah, knock- enjoy enjoy a good old uh, butt kicking. Yeah, you know, enjoy it. Knock back a couple cold ones. Hug your kids a little bit. You know, have you know play some music. Have a good time. Enjoy the night the night games and just enjoy this. So. Pat, man, listen, thanks for being here. I know that, that you got a lot going on today, obviously, um, even you know much more than we do with all the travel and everything. So thanks for joining us, and get get back here safe so we can talk to you again on Monday. Hey, man, appreciate it. And that should just about wrap us up for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Ryan and Pat again for joining us. Uh, but mostly, guys, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. We tried to have a little bit of fun with this one today. Had a couple technical difficulties, but that's going to happen in a situation like this uh, with, with some of the stuff we're trying to do. So, so thank you for bearing with us on that. Enjoy this one. Uh, just enjoy it. It's been a, been a rough been a rough year, so enjoy this one, guys. You can find all of us on social media. I'm 24 247 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, go get that at Twitter.com slash govalls 247 and go to Facebook.com slash 24 247 we got tons of stuff on that page all the time. But if you want the best, most delicious, crystal clear, sparkling East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, go to govalls 247com The best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. Got two forums running round the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss with the, the us five employees and then thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, you can discuss anything with us that is not political or religious in nature, and we will be there to have a good time with you talking about it. Lots of happy people on the checkerboard right now. I can attest to that. And you get all that, including the best database in, in all of college sports, all that stuff, for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs go to goballs247.com and do that. And if you do that, take advantage of that 7-day free trial and then pay us that reasonable rate, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is CBS Viacom streaming platform, used to be CBS All Access, now it's Paramount Plus. 100 plus dollar annual value in your pocket for nothing. You get exclusive movies on there like uh, Queen Pins, Funny Movie, Vince Vaughn and those guys just came out. Uh, Kristen Bell and all of them, you can get that. You can get uh, other exclusive movies, you know, Quiet Place 2, lots of other really good stuff. Lots of CBS exclusive shows. Uh, every show CBS has ever made, commercial free, exclusive stuff like uh, Picard, Evil, Star Trek stuff, all that good stuff. You get uh, live sports with Tennessee sports, SEC stuff, NFL, PGA Tour UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, other World Cup qualifying. I mean, if that's not enough, you also get access to the the vaults of CBS, as I said. Uh, you get the access to the vaults of Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, and BET, Comedy Central. All of that. You cannot beat that, guys. That's a 100 dollars annual value in your pocket, and all that will cost you is what's already a really good deal to be at Go Boss 24-7. So go do that. If nothing else, I guess there's big breaking news you should hear from us on Monday. So until then, guys, be safe out there. Please, please be careful. Uh, please get that vaccine. Please, 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 please wear those masks when it's appropriate. Uh, and if you can't do anything else, at least just be nice to each other. There's too much nastiness in this world. Enjoy this win, guys. It's been a long year. See ya.